There he is. Hi, Sanjay. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Jane. You're welcome. I'm glad you made it, Sanjay. It's great to see you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I think we're ready to get started. Um, uh, Brand, welcome everyone uh, this evening. And Brandon, would you like to get us started with the um, Zoom COVID uh, instructions? Yes, thank you, Tanya. Brandon McGuire, Assistant City Manager. Uh, these are just our modified meeting procedures uh, to make sure that we comply with the COVID-19 provisions of the Kansas Open Meetings Act. Uh, board members and other participants must state their names and titles each time they speak. Various members of city staff are present via Zoom and in person. Uh, we must also state our names and titles each time we speak. All motions need to be stated clearly, and after a motion is made and seconded, the chair will call on board members individually to provide their vote. The chair will then announce whether or not the motion carried, as well as a count of the vote. Uh, the agenda for the meeting provided instructions on how to submit public comment, and we did receive um, some correspondence uh, for the public comment portion of the agenda, which is attached. Uh, the chair will also call for in-person public comment for those without access to technology options um, and staff will direct uh, anybody attending in person to the podium to speak following social distance protocols. I want to remind everybody to please um, mute themselves when they are not speaking and just another reminder to um, remember to state your name um, and your affiliation before you speak. Okay, thank you, Brandon. Um, we'll go ahead and uh, begin with uh, the agenda, uh, and we'll begin with A, approving the minutes. I hope you all had a chance to read the minutes, and do we have a motion? Jane Gibson, board member, I move we approve the minutes, but I would like to make a correction. Yes, go ahead and proceed, Jane. Um, it says at the bottom that I asked for a, a policy update and what I asked for was an update, on, I mean a policy analysis update and maybe this is the same thing but I wanted to be clear that what I was looking for was the, uh, an update from the staff on the analysis of our ordinance looking for things we missed, gaps, problems, contradictions, things that we didn't get right. So I just wanted to be clear that the policy analysis is maybe doesn't describe exactly what I had in mind. And, and I noticed that it's not on this agenda, so I hope it'll be on the next one. This is Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. Um, we do, I, I did understand the request um, as you've described it, uh, Jane, and we do have just a brief uh, agenda item for me to just provide that status update on when the board can expect to receive that from the staff. And that would just be the first agenda item. Oh, I see. Thank you, Brandon. I, somehow I didn't see that. <laughs> and I'm seconding it. Let me approve the minutes. Okay. Um, and so to be specific, before we proceed, um, the, 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 I recognize the motion, the um, edit, and the second um, <clears throat> by Sanjay. Um, that was uh, item number two on the uh, minutes that you wanted to amend or edit, Jane. This is Jane Gibson, board Jane, member. Jane, go ahead. I, 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 this is Jane Gibson, board member. I, I withdraw that. Um, I see here on this uh, agenda under number one that Brandon uh, or whoever wrote the agenda fully understood what I had in mind. Okay, all right. So um, we're moving back to the first motion 
uh, of approving the minutes. You're de declining the edit uh, with that motion. And there is a second by uh, member Sanjay. Thank you. Uh, any other discussion? If not, we'll go ahead and vote. Um, all those in favor with yay. All those opposed nay. We'll start with Gibson. Jane Gibson, board member, yay. Littleton? Um, Stephanie Littleton, board member, yes. Mishra, board member Mishra? Board member Sanjay Mishra, yes. Uh, board member Salvini, yes. And board member Taylor? Board member Murray Taylor, yes. Okay. We've got five votes. The motion passes unanimously. Okay, um, let's go ahead and move to public comments. Stephanie, do you want to go ahead and um, address that? Sure, this is board member Stephanie. Thank you. There is one um, attachment, if I understand, Brandon, to our agenda that was added today. Um, and I actually defer to uh, board member Jane Gibson to kind of speak to uh, concerns spoke, spoken in this, if she would. This Jane. is board member Jane Gibson. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm certain others can also speak to this if they would like to. The, uh, as I understand it, if I'm interpreting this email correctly from Jayhawks88, um, there is a concern uh, on the part of this uh, person that the summaries that we produced seem to signal a bias on the part of those of us who produced them, that they seem to be weighted in particular ways. Um, the example given here is that one paragraph is, is uh, dedicated to those who oppose the question and one and a half pages to those who support it. So, um, I, so I'd like to respond to that because um, because this, this illustrates um, a limitation of this kind of research. And so I would like to explain why the, the amount of space given to a particular point of view is not uh, relevant. When you have um, a self-selected sample, um, well, a self-selected sample just means that, you know, you, you send out this general invitation to anybody and everybody that would like to participate in the study, and they decide for themselves if they want to participate. And what you often see, and in fact, in this survey, we see it clearly, um, is that people who feel strongly one way or another tend to, to participate. They tend to sign up. And so we see in the, in the survey Likert scales, what um, Sanjay correctly described as a bimodal distribution, meaning that you have these extremes on either end, very, people either strongly, um, uh, they, they think something is either very important or very unimportant, or they strongly agree or strongly disagree but you know, not so much in the middle. And that, what that means is you know, exactly what I was just saying, and that is that people who took the, took the uh, survey did so because they felt strongly one way or another. But what that means also is that the survey is representative only of those people who took it. Um, and so we can't say if we had um, 200 people take it and 150 said that the CPRB is just what this community needs, that would not mean, and 50 people said um, it's a waste of resources, that would not mean that 75% of Lawrence thinks that the CPRB is just what we need and that 25% does disagrees, that thinks it's a waste of resources. All it means is that there is one opinion out there 
that says that we are what the community needs, that the board is what the community needs, and another one opinion out there that says that um, it is a waste of resources. We can't count them as quantitative data because they aren't representative of the community. They're only representative of the people who took the survey. So, um, and that's the reason why it doesn't actually matter if you have only one paragraph on one point of view and a page and a half on another. I mean, I, each one of us did this a little bit differently. I mean, there are a lot of similarities and all of them are perfectly legitimate ways to present um, the data. Some people copied all of the responses into the document. Some of us um, synthesized those and presented only the you know, the, the themes themselves, rather than repeating the same theme in, you know, with different language as different people articulated it. Um, so there were different ways to do it, but all those are fine. And, and all that we can say is that we have these opinions. We can't say we have, um, we can't say we have um, a majority opinion or a minority opinion because these are not quantitative data, right? These are a self-selected sample of people who felt strongly one way or another. So every kind of answer, every kind of answer, every theme that might've been articulated by you know, many, many of the people in the sample or just by a few still just counts as one. Okay, I hope that that's, I hope that's clear. Um, I, anybody else please help add in, you know, clarify. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who has um, this kind of research background. Sure, I see a board member um, Mishra, then a board member Taylor. Board member Sanjay Mishra. So I agree with everything that Jane has said and a good way to interpret the results would be to predicate it of those who responded. And so you know that this is not Lawrence this is of those that responded, 80% said CPRB is not good. That's fine. Of those who responded, 20% said this is great. That's fine. So if we put that predicate clause up there, I think everything should uh, fall in place. The other thing, I think uh, the, the email seems to be asking, and there we can decide how best to do it, is to give them the information. And I am, I would think it's fair to give them all the information. You want all the things, you just copy and paste it at the end and let other people make their own judgments. Thank you. Uh, board member Taylor. So first I, I board member Murray Taylor. First I wanna uh, echo what you've already said. I think Jane also did a great job of explaining this when we were first taking on the task of looking at this report. Anyone can look at all the, result, the results. It's They can produce their own PDF and do their own analysis. So that said, I, I just want to clarify how we respond to public comment generally, because there's rules about that for um, public meeting purposes. So I think in this instance, the comment is was on point for an item that's already on the agenda, but generally we don't have to respond back to comments. And so if Brandon can kind of clarify that, because I think this it's just a general, that's just a general point about how we uh, conduct the meetings. And, and don't feel like we have to respond to every public comment because I don't think that technically we can if it's not on the agenda as an item to discuss. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Um, Brandon, would you want to briefly speak to that? 
Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. Yes, I'm happy to. Um, and, and thank you for referring back to the the um, uh, disclaimer on the agenda uh, regarding the protocol for public comment. Uh, you are correct, Board Member Taylor, that um, as a general practice, the board will not discuss or debate um, items of public comment. I will say, though, um, uh, your point is well taken that uh, this particular communication probably would have been better suited for that one agenda item. agenda item and usually we would have done that i think it was just an oversight in attaching it to this one instead of uh that agenda item so i i apologize for that but thank you for pointing that out okay um thank you for for both points that um, um our responsibility to public comment as well as um where that might be more appropriate so thank you very much okay um any other public uh any folks um who are on or in the room for public comment, Brandon? And City Manager Brandon McGuire. Uh, Madam Chair, we do have uh, one member of the public, it looks like, uh, in attendance. Um, it's just a, a name that I do not uh, recognize. Um, uh, Jeremy, uh, did you join us with the intent of providing public comment this evening? No, not necessarily. Thank you, though. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to confirm that. I didn't want to assume. And, and we do not have anybody in uh, in attendance in person this evening at this point. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you. Um, then we'll go ahead and move on to uh, agenda item, or uh, C, the agenda items, uh, and item number one, an update on uh, the draft ordinance analysis. Yes, Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. Um, just a, a quick update following following uh, the request from the last meeting last month uh, on the the review that city staff is conducting of the draft ordinance. And um, I, I, based on uh, Board Member Gibson's comments uh, at the beginning of the meeting, I I do it did confirm that we are on target for the sort of analysis and feedback that that the board is looking for. Um, and that's really looking at what are some of the potential, potential, I guess, blind spots, so to speak, um, things where there could be uh, laws or policies or contracts uh, that uh, would maybe need to be, we would need to deconflict the ordinance uh, in its form or do some policy change or, or something to that effect to reconcile um, any sort of discrepancies uh, between um, the draft ordinance in its current state and some of those blind spots. Um, and I, I don't mean that term offensively um, uh, to the board members, just to suggest that um, it's a technical analysis uh, for a level of detail that um, the board members may not uh, nece necessarily have based on um, their profession. And so uh, we are, we have been working on that. Uh, the city attorney's office, um, the city manager's office, and uh, Captain McKinley and Lieutenant Ernst, we have been working on that together. Um, I will say that we have received uh, the mid-project briefing, executive briefing for um, the CityGate report, the CityGate consultants who are conducting the uh, comprehensive, comprehensive analysis of the police department. Um, and we expect to receive uh, the first draft of the report um, sometime around late May. And uh, so at, at this point, and, and that, that report, um, in the in the presentation, uh, they actually spent quite a bit of time discussing the police review board and systems of accountability in the complaint process, and so uh, it's it's staff's preference to wait until we have at least the draft report uh, to provide the feedback from staff 
uh, of our analysis of the ordinance, um, just to give the board the full context. And I think that that full context will be very helpful, as well as having um, the objective review of, of um, the, the process that the board has gone through. So, so that's the status update. Uh, so at this point, we would expect to come back. Um, it would most likely, I guess, be at the meeting in June uh, to review that. Okay, any comments or questions? Uh, Board Member Taylor? Board Member Marie Taylor. Brandon, can you confirm that the CityGate uh, uh, team also looked through the survey uh, results and took that into consideration in drafting their report or um, whatever stage they're at right now? Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. Yes, they, they did. They were uh, following along with the survey um, and uh, they were taking note of the comments and the feedback. I did explain to them, um, same as I did with the board, that this is one of the more uh, popular survey or you know larger survey responses we've gotten, so it's definitely worth looking at. Um, their, their feedback to me was um, that they, they appreciated the comments. It provided quite a bit of insight. Um, and, uh, you know, one observation that, that they provided, and I don't think that, that they would mind me sharing this as kind of an early observation, was that there was a lot, uh, in, sort of as Dr. Gibson said, a lot in favor of and a lot um, not in favor of. And so that was definitely a theme. Um, so to the extent that that informs any sort of technical recommendations, I, I will leave that to the consultants to explain. Um, but it is something that they did pay attention to, yes. And, and if, if I may, uh, they also, you know, they went, th they conducted a, a, not a comprehensive, but a, a fairly large scale um, public engagement process. Um, and we did have two uh, general public meetings, which some of the board members were able to attend. Those were not very highly attended by members of the public. Um, and really in review, I, I you know, my, the optimistic interpretation of that is that uh, we provided more appropriate spaces uh, for people to engage in the listening sessions that were not open to the public. Um, you know, one of, one of the takeaways from this engagement process is when we're talking about public safety um, and, and law enforcement and, and interactions with the law enforcement, we're asking for people to be extremely vulnerable. Um, and so I think, that, I think that having the kind of the large come all uh, you know, everybody welcome, and the media is welcome, and the, the elected officials are welcome. That sort of forum, um, I, th I think, may, may have kind of had a chilling effect on people's willingness to really come and contribute. And so, uh, that being said, um, the consultants uh, were in several dozen uh, listening sessions and engaged with, um, with well over 100 um, individuals, and I think it's quite a few more than that, really. Uh, so we feel we do feel pretty good about that, and there will be you know yet a, another round of broader public engagement once the report is is received. Hey, um, this is Chair Salvini. Thank you, Brandon. Um, any other comments or questions, uh, Board Member Misha? This is unrelated to CityGate, but related to some data we are collecting. Is uh, do we have any idea about the study conducted by the professors from Austin about police stops? Assistant City Manager Brendan McGuire. 
Um, I actually, I'll refer that, and, and you're referring to the disproportional min minority contact study uh, for traffic stops. Um, I might ask Captain McKinley to provide kind of a status update on that. Sorry to put you on the spot, Trent. But. Sorry, no sorry. I yeah. Once you started talking about CityGate, that came to mind. Yes. Not a problem at all. Uh, this is Captain Trent McKinley with the Barnes Police Department. Uh, I have been uh, attending some regular meetings with that group. Uh, as you may be aware, and, and not to belabor this, but due to COVID, there was not as many traffic stops and contacts as we traditionally have. And for that reason, uh, the people that were analyzing that believed that the data set was not large enough uh, to be valuable to their study. Uh, they had apparently a target number in mind that we were nowhere near. So there were some discussions with the county uh, who also helped fund that study. And in those discussions, they decided that they would extend that study out. It is my understanding that that study will go through the end of the year and they will then uh, report out on the full analysis of those stops. Captain McKinley, uh, this is Assistant City Manager Brandon Warren. Um, do you do you know? Are they planning planning on presenting the, the findings to the Criminal Justice Coordinating Council? They are as part of their contract. Uh, they had discussed uh, the ability to have several public meetings. Uh, they can do it in person. They can do it via Zoom. The CJCC was a forum that they said that they would speak to. But uh, with the city and county funding this, uh, they also mentioned uh, the willingness to present both at the city commission and at the county commission. Very good. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Captain McKinley. And I'm sorry, I meant to recognize you at the beginning of the meeting, but thank you so much for being here and, and responding to that. No problem at all. Okay, any other comments? Yeah, thanks. Uh, any other comments or questions? Okay, if not, let's uh, go ahead and move to uh, agenda item number two. And um, now I, I do have a question about that. I could be, oh, is, is there a reason for the asterisks beside uh, one and two? Assistant, uh, Brandon? City, Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. That, that just indicates uh, that there was an agenda update. And so we, we added materials uh, oh. There was one that we missed um, with the original okay. posting of the agenda last week. I got it. Thanks. I, I've never, <laughs> okay, I've never paid attention to that before. Thank <laughs> you. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll uh, start with uh, uh, item number two, um, discussion of Lawrence Listen survey responses. So I guess I, I really would like to um, get some feedback from the group uh, on uh, how we want to move forward through item number two, and then um, even more importantly, what do we do with the information going forward? The floor is open. Uh, Board member Gibson. Board member Jane Gibson. Um, my preference is for us to um, trust that we've all read the seven survey responses that are posted there on the agenda. Um, and that we focus our energy on um, thinking about what information is provided through these survey responses that can help us improve the ordinance. Right, and that, thank you. That very succinctly <laughs> moves to um, what, what our purpose is in, in having this uh, information. And that is, it, it was an opportunity to 
really uh, think about, well, open to the public to have feedback, hopefully on um, how we can improve um, the ordinance based on feedback from, from, from citizens. So um, I agree with you. Um, does everyone feel comfortable moving forward in that manner? Uh, Board Member Taylor. Board Member Marie Taylor, I agree. Um, I think we saw a lot of, um, there was some good information and ideas that we could use later on to develop policy reviews. I thought that that's very valuable. So maybe we should think of this as a resource for us as we think of other projects that we would need to, to look into. To consider. Mm -hmm. To consider, right. And, um, and that it's interesting to see the polarity um, within the results. Um, so, and I really think that the, the, the survey tool did what we thought it would do, which was to create a public forum as if we had had a town hall meeting where you where everyone gets to express their views. So it, it is what it is. Um, I thought maybe one way to approach this and we can discuss it is to go back to look at our ordinance that we have the draft and just go by section by section and see if there's anything that we think should be changed, modified, clarified, that sort of as a, as a possible way of, of mm -hmm. narrowing down our discussion. Okay, very good. Thank you, Marie. Uh, board member Gibson. Uh, board member Jane Gibson. Um, I think going by way of the ordinance is uh, maybe the back door. My preference would be to go through the surveys themselves, uh, the survey responses, these summaries. Um, I, when I read them, I identified those elements that I thought might have implications for the ordinance. Um, and there aren't very many in each one, but they can be really important and they can lead to discussions of those issues. Um, I, I don't exactly know how we would do it going through the ordinance, um, given that we have these seven sets of survey responses. Sure. It's just a, a it's just a question of of uh, what would be the most efficient way to get at what the responses have to say to us. Right. Logistically, and, and it would right. be more practical to go through the responses themselves rather than go to the ordinance. <laughs> Okay. Um, so would there be any proposals on, on how to logistically then proceed with that? Um, board member Taylor? Um, I'm board member Marie Taylor. I'm fine with, with Jane's suggestion. I think that works as well. Okay. Very good. Uh, board member uh, Gibson, then uh, board member Misha. Um, Jane Gibson, board member, just in response to your question about how logistically to handle it, we re assigned responsibility um, for each question to board members. So those people who took on the responsibility for those could talk, could speak to what they see as being salient and anybody who read them and thought there was something to add, you know, those could, maybe that's the way we could figure out uh, what's, what's of value in each one. Mm -hmm. So I think Jenny... Yeah took number one, and I believe Stephanie is going to speak uh, for Jenny on that one. Is that right, Stephanie? Yeah, this board member, Stephanie Littleton, and I'm going to, you know, seek obviously some feedback from you all that have read it, because I did speak shortly with Jenny, and I have some ideas, but I don't know that I have a 
full grasp of the best as I've looked back through the ordinance as well. So I have some thoughts, but um, yeah, we can just start with one and just kind of work through. I think that's the best. Okay. All right, let's go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, let's go ahead and proceed then and start with one. Uh-huh. Okay. So board member Littleton. Okay, this board member Stephanie Littleton. Um, so I'm just gonna kind of repeat the question so we can just kind of look at it from the big picture. What other res responsibilities, this is question one, what, what other responsibilities, if any, should the CPRB undertake to promote positive and fair community police relations in Lawrence? The way um, Jenny has summarized this, um, kind of some of the big uh, pockets is LPD training, hiring, policy procedures, and then um, some breakdowns on gathering and presenting data and informing uh, used to inform policy suggestions. And then there's some additionals, but I kind of want to kind of just start off by talking about, you know, as I was looking at our ordinance about the training, hiring um, and how we have that in there. Um, you know, and, our, and what we have is somewhat generic because um, obviously our the responses, the feedback we received is pretty in, pretty involved. Um, but I one of the things that Jenny really emphasized, um, and I know I think we've heard quite a bit about this, about alternative policing and such, is the informing the LPD on the policies. One of them at the top of the list she has under that is develop protocol regarding police experience not place people experiencing mental health crisis and or houselessness. Um, I, I know that all of us don't have, you know, mental health probably training. I mean, I don't know that I know everybody doesn't have it on this board, but you know, that's not necessarily our forte, but, um, but we can certainly make recommendations, right? That's something that's in our ordinance that speaks to that as far as policy is making recommendations. Um, so I'm th throwing out some food for thought there, I guess, to talk about, you know, looking at one of the top things she was emphasizing. Do we want to consider some from from this question, some of the policy um, from, from number one for the health crisis? Any, any thoughts on that? Uh, board member Gibson. I don't mean to dominate this discussion, so. Um, but I, uh, I did give that a little bit of thought. Um, I think I can't say um, strongly enough how important I think it is that we um, help the LPD or that somebody help the LPD with uh, people who have mental health issues. Um, I mean, we're. I, I think that that's a huge issue. It's a lot to expect a police officer to handle um, since they also are not necessarily trained in mental health crises or how to handle those. So it seems to me that Jenny's right that this is a this is a, a real key issue. I, I guess I'm concerned though that this would not be something that our board would really have the experience or knowledge to do. I could see that this would be a really important initiative for the police to work with um, uh, Bert Nash, maybe, or some other uh, mental health specialist to come up with some protocols that would that would help the police and help people who are in um, mental health crises. Um, I just don't know that our board is the place for that. Um, Jane, uh, th uh, thank you. This is a 
Chair Salvini, and I'm, when I'm thinking about that too, I'm thinking you're you're exactly right. And there's some other um, initiatives that are happening in the community too, uh, in looking at uh, mental health issues and and certainly the criminalization of mental health uh, in our community. So I mean, there are several different initiatives that are mindful of this. And I think, um, and Captain McKinley, you might be able to um, speak to this, but I think law enforcement's also involved with some of these um, uh, uh, community groups that are addressing some of these issues. I know that there's some crossover services through um, former officer Hadel, for example, uh, and uh, would you like to speak to that just for a minute so we can have uh, think about how we might want to frame that in the ordinance? Yeah. Sure. This is Captain Trent McKinley with the police department. Uh, we've been looking at this for about 10 years. And uh, as yeah. crisis intervention team training uh, came on the radar with us at about that time, we started to look to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chief Khatib had a goal of getting the vast majority, if not 100% of our officers through the 40-hour crisis intervention team training, which was uh, really not something that was much heard of. Uh, instead, you had specialized officers in many departments, and those officers went out on those types of calls. But really what he wanted to do is, is spread that training across the entire department. So at the academy level, we have eight hours of mental health first aid training. That is provided by Burt Nash Mental Health, and then that's followed up. Uh, later, uh, you know, within a couple of years of an officer uh, getting experienced out there on the street, then we bring that back, them back through and finish out that 40-hour training in crisis intervention team training. Uh, the other thing we do is, as you touched on, uh, Tanya, is um, Susan Hadel is a master's level clinician uh, with Burt Nash Mental Health, and uh, she Social joined. Worker. Yeah. Yep, she joined the co-responder program, which was initiated in 2017. So we have an officer that's paired with uh, Susan Hadel from Burt Nash, and they respond to those mental health calls. They also do follow-up in the field on calls that may have occurred during times that they were not on duty. Uh, so that, that's an ongoing thing for us. It's something that's very valued by our department, and uh, certainly it's needed. We also have uh, Lieutenant uh, Halstead, who is very much in touch with Burt Nash with their uh, homeless outreach team. Um, there's lots of discussions, as you touched on, with the crisis center that's being built. Uh, we've had coordinated discussion with uh, Burt Nash, with Heartland, with a number of other agencies that are participating in that so that we can kind of have a, have a rounded community discussion and kind of decide the best approach overall. Sure. Sure. Well, thank you. I and and I I know you know peripherally some of these things are happening. I'm not as engaged there. Um, so I what that what that does for me as a board member and focusing on thinking about the ordinance. I I'm gonna I'm going to recommend to my colleagues here that maybe with regard to um, uh, to training. Um, at least, and perhaps folding into the policies, um, would be um, I, I, bullet number one, bullet number three, would be how can the the review board um, answer to ourselves as citizens and the greater citizen folks that we may be um, representing, um, <clears throat> guarantee and review um, and, and stay informed and then also work with law enforcement to uh, make public, what kind of training are they receiving and how, what's the standard, what's the gold standard for training with regard to 
the particular demographics um, that we have in our community and the particular issues that we have in our community and how well does your training match those. In other words, making sure that your training isn't over here and disconnected from our, our citizenry and, and making sure that they're best practices too. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there to, to maybe somehow address that in the ordinance. Trent McKinley with the police department. I'm not sure I can answer succinctly exactly uh, what you're saying there, uh, sure. but, but certainly being part of these community conversations that involve multiple agencies and multiple stakeholders, uh, many of these discussions are public. Uh, so there certainly is an opportunity to be involved in that. And certainly asking questions, uh, even if it's outside these types of meetings of what we're doing and what we're working on, we're coming and wanting to be a part of uh, watching some of those trainings um, things like that, that is, that is something that uh, certainly is welcomed. Uh, as, it, as it pertains to the crisis intervention team training, that's not just for our law enforcement officers here in, in Lawrence, that we also uh, bring our dispatchers into that, we bring uh, other agencies into that, both as role players and in, as, as participants. So again, we're trying to make sure that this isn't a narrow focused type of uh, program and approach. I think Tony may have frozen. Yes, looks like. Go ahead, Sanjay. I will Sanjay. wait for permission. Go I ahead. will wait for permission. Go ahead, Sanjay. <laughs> oh, thank you, Stephanie. So my, my point on mental health was uh, there's some debate and discussion that uh, the role of the police should be separated from the mental health. This is one is law issues and the other is the social issues. And I that's a recommendation that we can make, uh, but uh, that is a broader city level decision that the commission has to get into. Because I, I can share that at the University of Kansas PSO stuff, we clear, students and constituents clearly said that when it is a mental health issue, I don't want a policeman at my door. I want a social service person at my door. Jane, go ahead. Jane Gibson, board member. Um, I would just not want us to get bogged down on this because I don't see that this is something for us to put into the ordinance. Um, sure. I certainly understand what, what Tanya is saying about um, what we do with this, and it seems to me maybe this falls into that um, box that um, uh, Marie mentioned earlier of those things that we would want to deal with later on. Like, in what respects would we want to be, uh, would we want to know more about um, how the police department is is addressing the issues of, of mental health? And it sounds to me like like you've done an enormous amount, Captain McKinley. You've moved in all those directions for ten years. Um, I don't think that the, maybe the police don't always know when they go out on a call that there's a mental health problem uh, on site. So I, I appreciate very much that you're, that you're training across the board um, as um, your chief Khatib had suggested that you do it. Um, so I just, I guess I wanna say um, we probably should 
hold this idea um, so that it's something that we can explore as a question for better understanding on our part um, and perhaps consideration for any policy recommendations that we might want to make later on. Um, mm -hmm. not, that I, not that I would presume to know what those policy recommendations might be, but it seems that that's what this is. So I guess I would suggest that we move on. I, I would agree to uh, real quickly. And what I want to add to that is that the, the, the issue in and of itself, that our role is to promote work with law enforcement and be knowledgeable enough to promote positive and fair community police relations in Lawrence. And then th that could be the ordinance kind of like our, our own policy. And then what are the ways in which we can examine this list to say, these are our priorities. These are things that are important based on all of our perspectives and certainly the community's perspective from, from the feedback um, that we focus on uh, maybe assisting, making our plan, if you will, of what we're gonna do to promote that. Does that, does that sound reasonable? And then um, board member Taylor. Board member Marie Taylor, and I, I guess this is why I wanted to start by refocusing our attention to the ordinance itself, <laughs> because we, we got a lot of great feedback from people. And it, some I would say most of it was very thoughtful, and, and I could tell that they had read the ordinance. And so, but, but I think it was also an opportunity for people to express their their opinions and their concerns about policing in the community generally. So, but we knew that, and that was actually good because I think it provided an outlet for people to a way to to have a, a line of communication. So we we got more than we maybe needed for our specific task of looking sure. at ordinance that had certain sort of uh, parameters mm -hmm. and and. And even the comments that said there should be no board at all. <laughs> yes. But that but the board exists. It's yes. part of the local law. So that was not the question. <laughs> we could write an ordinance to write right. ourselves out, right? right. But, but that wasn't the top, that's not that wasn't our task. Right. But that's okay. Absolutely. That, that feedback is also valuable in, mm -hmm. in having this dialogue that we we set out to have. So I think as we go through these comments, we have to think about well, what is actually within our ability to change in that ordinance that's structural to the ordinance, not structural to how policing is completely yeah. different. Well, in, you bring well, up a really good so, but, but, absolutely. but what it does do is it does point to policy recommendations or inquiries that we could make that we may find important to make, but the, the current ordinance allows us that ability too. So I put that in that bucket of things that we, when we develop a work plan on policy initiatives, and it could be policy initiatives that are sparked by what CityGate also presents. So, uh, so sure, sure. it's gonna be hard to, to manage this role of what's ours and what's CityGate's and what's for the city commission to decide. So as long as we kind of keep all these balls at play, I sure. think we'll be fine. But, but it, again, this is all part of the process. Yeah, right. So I'm wondering also at this point too, if we want to, I I want to take a moment to thank um, you all for, for such good work and thank especially Jane Gibson for helping me out. I've, I've been having a rough uh, 
a few weeks. And I, I want to thank you very much, Jane and Stephanie, for assuring that, that my absence uh, in this process still gets covered. So I really want to thank you for that. And I'm wondering if we um, don't want to consider um, thinking about, because everyone works so hard on putting the exercising to put the summary and the information together, but now take a take a step back and approach with the lens of the ordinance. And is there anything come through the work that you've done and come through and see if there's any additional or different that we need to consider in the ordinance? Okay. Like what would be an action item that might support that part of the ordinance or what literally is significant enough to take a, another examination at whatever section that is in the ordinance. Does that make sense? And I guess what I'm suggesting too is maybe I should do that work since I was absent. <laughs> oh. Yes, Marie and then Stephanie. Board member Marie Taylor, aren't we still going through the each question? Yes. So I think is the decision now to move on to question two? Yeah, this is board member Stephanie Littleton. I do have um, a good point to go possibly to the ordinance from question one. So, but I wanna thank Captain McKinley and, and Tanya as well. I really appreciate the breadth of what you explained because there was some of that I didn't even understand, you know, as some of us probably don't, you know, to what, engagement with crisis intervention training and such that's going on. So that was very helpful. Um, so let's move forward and try to keep moving on uh, to Marie's point. Um, so on question one, there's a gather and present data and use to inform policy suggestions. One of the things that Jenny and I talked about out of this section of her question is, you know, the importance of us needing to figure out what we, what we can share annually. And we've kind of talked about this um, and underneath this section uh, she has down uh, a response was provide an annual report summarizing CPRB's activities, categorizing the complaints or inquiries received and reporting on their status and outcomes. Well, there's a couple of comments, there are a couple of things in here, right? We already have an annual report that's reported out in July on the CPRB. Um, so we do have that, but what we don't have is the categorization of the complaints or inquiries received. And all that kind of comes back together with what Jenny and I talked about is what can we share annually and how do we want to incorporate that possibly? I think that's an important missing out of the ordinance that I thought at some point, and somebody helped remind me, I thought we talked about adding that in as a consideration for an annual report as well with the city uh, or the PD reporting that out so we could utilize that for our communications and our public engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't see that in the revised ordinance. So maybe I'm, maybe we just talked about that. Everybody's looking like they're bl blank stares. <laughs> I know, I know we did talk about um, certainly um, writing uh, more of a review or an annual review um, ourselves um, in that. I don't remember the complaint piece. Um, I know we were talking about it, but I think we were struggling with how is it that we get that data without, you know, violating. Um, 
PII. I don't know how how we get the complaint data, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So this board member, Stephanie Littleton, I know we talked about it. For some reason, I thought that maybe we had put it in the ordinance, but I don't see it. But um, we had talked about it because I know that um, Lieutenant Ernst, whomever puts that together, provides it to the city manager. Um, mm -hmm. and, it, and it is minus the PI, the personal identifiable information. And it's really a short summary, if you will. And right. if we could get that information or some form of fashion, we could utilize that as well. So that was some, some conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, I see some. Sure, sure. Let's go with uh, board member Mishra and board member Gibson. Okay. So, so I, I know we have board member Sanjay Mishra. We've had this discussion and I think if I remember, we said annual report, let's leave it open in terms of the contents, okay. what you want to put, where you want to put it. Yeah. Plus the categorization of complaints, my question would be, do we recategorization what the police department, what the police department has done, or we go by what their categorization is? Because the police department at puts out a report, right, to the city of the complaints received. So what happens? Are we duplicating effort? But sure. in, in terms of our approach, I, I'm all for we should be answerable to the community. So we should uh, say something about the complaints received and handled. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, board member Gibson. Member Jane Gibson, under 12504A8, number eight, it says that with a, one of our duties is to report to the governing body from time to time regarding its activities, that's our activities, including an annual report to be presented to the governing body at the first regularly scheduled meeting of the governing body following July 31st of each year. That There's nothing here that says what must be included or what cannot be included. It's open, as I think is appropriate. Um, if we want to make this the report that has um, these kinds of this kind of information, of course, always respecting confidentiality, then this would be the moment to do that. I think given the fact that we've never received or seen a single complaint or investigation, that we're not really in a position to, to predict exactly what kind of information we would like to, to report. But this, this um, number eight does not prevent us from including what we think is appropriate so long as we don't violate confidentiality. Agreed. And that's when uh, this could be helpful in terms of recommendations. Uh, Board Member Taylor. Sorry, it's moving my cursor. Okay, Marie Taylor, Board Member. So we, we did discuss something similar um, under section, let me go through its uh, it's the section, it, I want to say it's a uh, 12504 under section G. When we talked, it says, um, and I'm hoping I'm reading the correct version, <laughs> but uh, it said at the conclusion of its review, the board shall during an open meeting direct a member or members to draft for public release to the public a summary of the community member complaint as well as its disposition. And then we, we can't include uh, personal identifiable information or any information that's uh, violates law to disclose. It, are we talking? So I think is that in 
the version you're looking at, Jane, because I think that that's we've handled that. Yeah, both of these are Jane, Jane Gibson board member. Sorry, both um, number eight and under G. Both of those allow us. In fact, G requires us to address the issues of complaints. It just doesn't specify what kind of information we'll report out so long as we do not violate confidentiality. So I think that it's handled. That's what I think. Okay. Okay, Stephanie, how do we want to proceed then with one? Are there any other items? I just first this board member Stephanie, I want to clarify because I'm wondering several of us were kind of trying to figure out if we had the right um, the most final revised copy of the ordinance. The one I have dated is 726 of 2020. Does anyone know uh, what Brandon may know what the most updated Revision. This is Assistant City Manager Brendan McGuire. Um, yes, uh, in in I, in hindsight, we should have put a link to the most recent version as part of this agenda package. I apologize for not doing that. Um, sometimes we kind of we we work in the iCompass system so much that we sort of take this for granted. So, uh, and Stephanie and Tanya, we didn't have a chance to review the agenda before posting. So I apologize. Um, I would refer everyone to the uh, January 1st, 2021 meeting, which is easily accessible uh, in the agenda website, the iCompass website. I can also, you know what? I will also post a link directly to that in the chat. So those attending the Zoom meeting can just click that link and that will take you to it. Appreciate that, Brandon. Thank. Yeah. I board member Stephen Littleton. I don't believe I have. The, I thought I had the most updated, but I don't think so. Yes, and that was uh, the board had made. My, my recollection of that meeting was the board had made a couple of just minor uh, grammatical changes um, in the December meeting, and so then we brought that ordinance back just to confirm that that was that was the draft. And so I don't I don't believe there was any discussion on that meeting about the ordinance. Board member Murray Taylor, uh, that's the one I was reading from. So this board member Stephanie Littleton. So Marie, going back to your point now at um, number eight, uh, twenty five oh four under eight, the report to the governing body. He's no. talking about G, Stephanie. Oh, eight, G. eight is under A. Go down to G. This is oh. Jane Gibson, board member. Sorry. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. So, uh, so are we good? Everybody's good on this one on this point. Okay. So we're going to move on. I think so. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm going to move on because I have a. Do you want to go ahead? And... Yeah, I have a couple. Sure. More. And you're. You're going to do number two, too? No, sorry, Tanya. I have a couple more points on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just going to, a couple of things I wanted to 
draw out of this question one. Um, one is um, other CPR, CPRB suggested responsibilities meet regu regularly with the police union to listen, not just to advise. I think that's a really good thought. Um, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be in the ordinance, but I thought I'd just kind of draw that out um, and see if there's any, any thoughts from the board. Board member, uh, Jane Gibson. Jane Gibson, board member. I like this idea um, a lot. Um, I don't feel like we have very much opportunity for feedback from the police department on the mental health issue, for instance, it would be really great to hear um, from um, law enforcement officers, how they experience um, mental health crises in the field and you know how effective they feel like the training is. I'm not suggesting that we do the research on, on the law enforcement officers, but that kind of feedback would be really helpful, I think. And in this case, listening to what I'm, I don't know why it's the the police union is maybe the that's the only body in which the police officers speak. But um, if that's the case, I'd, I would be very interested to hear their feedback and you know how they're experiencing their their profession, their encounters with the community. You know what they see the needs, their own needs are. I'm not sure how willing they would be to share all of that with us. But um, and this is a little bit like our inviting ourselves to their party. Um, but it would be um, very helpful, I think, to us to hear um, what they have to say. Board Member Taylor. And Board Member Murray Taylor. Um, so the union is a private association. So I don't know how we, I think we should hold this as a question to ask the city attorney whether they design, um, they would, they would, there's any, I think it's in that list of, of Jane's questions about there's any issues with the the way that we've drafted the ordinance and in that review that they're doing, if we could add that question in to meet with a like a, a private association with collective bargaining power um, as part of it, it just to spe specifically require us to meet with them in the ordinance. There's nothing that's stopping us now. They can, and I think they could come to the meetings to and, and participate in that. So I, I think of the ordinance as something that if we write it broad enough, it won't prohibit any of these actions, not that, which is very different than saying it requires us to do this. And so if we wanna change it to require, I, we should just run that by the, the city attorney's office. Uh, board members, uh... Mishra? And she was calling my name. No. <laughs> so, board member Sanjay Mishra. So yes. I agree with, with uh, Jane and Marie. And, and I am all for getting as much feedback from as many constituents as possible. So we hear everybody's viewpoint. But also to Marie's point, we are not in the collective bargaining business. That's an entirely separate issue. But to hear concerns or issues from the other side is, uh, I am all for it. Thank you. So, 
Well, there is one thing I completely agree with, and it's the review board should not be involved in the investigation process. I think we all can agree with that, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to make a comment on what you said earlier, Marie, and that is that clearly folks took some time and really read the ordinance and, and did some good work, and, and that increases the, certainly the value of their responses. Um, so, um, Stephanie, uh, go ahead with any others that you wanted to address. Sure, this is uh, board member Stephanie Lipton. That That's gonna be the last one to address. Sorry, this one took so long, but I, you know, to Marie's point, I don't think that any of us, I don't think particularly that we want to make this a requirement per se to meet with the police union. That's just a great opportunity that makes sense that we keep it broad enough that we certainly can do that. And that's something we, we should consider in the near future. So, so I'm I'm done with one. Thanks. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and uh, board member Jane. Jane Gibson. I just uh, want to say, yeah, I agree that it shouldn't be made a requirement, but because um, yeah, for all the reasons that you've given, I don't need to repeat that. Um, but but Tanya, you just threw out this this statement that we all agree that uh, we should well, not be involved in the investigations, and I would like to hold that for a discussion. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I have a very unstable. Uh... Perfect timing. Internet. Fill in the blank. All right. Well, this is this board member, Stephanie Littleton. I'm going to take over. And and, and Sanjay, um, I do have now that you have question two. So we're going to move on to Sanjay, if you would, please. So I think I. When I read through the responses, I tried to bring out representative representative responses for the four categories that I uh, broke the responses into. One was questioning the training of CPRB, that we are not up to snuff to do oversight. Uh, the other one was, uh, it's not necessary because there's no problem. If it ain't broke, don't go there. <laughs> the third was, it adds transparency. And the fourth uh, category I pulled out was, it builds oversight and accountability for the police department. And I put the sample responses in there. As far as I am concerned, I think our ordinance covers these issues. If you have any questions or you interpreted things any differently, I am willing to provide, yeah. Stephanie, you need to take over. Jane has a question. Sorry, this board member, second Walton. Jane, go ahead. Board member Jane Gibson. Um, Back, sorry. Shoot, Sanjay, and now I've, I forgot. What what Sanjay was just saying. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. I put the four categories up and then I said, I don't think there's any change. I got it, I got it, thank you. Uh, board member Gibson again. Um, it was about the training issue. I think Stephanie might bring this up under number three, um, but it has to do with our training because this was a theme that showed up in other questions as well that we're not we're not prepared 
to, um, I mean, a number of people thought we do investigations, which we don't do, but there, but there were people who thought that we were really not prepared even to, pro, to review the investigation file. Um, so I, I, Stephanie, are you, do you intend to bring up that training issue under number three? I'll just stop now if you do. Yeah, this is board member Stephanie Lotendiel, and that'll be a great segue uh, when we're ready to move forward that um, I have some specifics for, for the ordinance to consider. Yeah. Otherwise, I was going to make a quick point to this is I look at the CPRB board as a citizen's board. We cannot have a trained board. We cannot, every city, every board, if it looks for experts, city cannot afford it. But otherwise also, our justice system runs on citizens. If you go to a jury trial, they don't understand the medical terms. They don't understand the police terms. They don't understand anything, but they sit, look at it from a citizen's perspective. That is what is more critical. So I, I have my bias. I disregard all that, which says that the CPRB is not trained to look at it. As a citizen, I have the right. Okay, how do we proceed forward here? Uh, board member Jane. Um, Jane Gibson, board member. I um, um, Here, here, Sanjay, well said. I just, uh, I'm wondering if this doesn't um, suggest, you know, that we're all engaged in this learning process and that as OPA produces its investigative files um, in the same way that an attorney in a, in a courtroom must explain things to the jury, the citizen jury. I wonder if we might, you know, gradually learn how, you know, OPA does things in the language that they use, and they might also learn, you know, where we're weak and we need things better explained to us. I mean, that seems to me a, an organic learning process that we should expect to go through here. And I appreciate what you what you said, Sanjay. Thank you. Okay. Board member Stephanie, Marie. and then yeah, Taylor. Mm -hmm. Board member Murray Taylor. Board member Murray Taylor. So um, I find that analogy useful, but only to a certain extent, because we are not a jury in this process. We are we review. We are advisory, even as we've uh, proposed revisions to this ordinance. It is only in a review capacity. We have no we have no personnel decision making authority. It all still rests with the city. It still all rests with the chief and the city manager. And so, what we are doing is just providing some accountability for those who are serving the public. And so that, so I, I just don't want it to, and it seemed that way with some of the survey responses that they thought we had way more power than we, we do, or even intend to have. We are just, we are like neighborhood watch. We're just eyes on the street. I agree, Marie. Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, Sanjay. Thank, thank you. Sanjay Mishra, board member. Absolutely agree, Marie. All I'm trying to say is, is as a citizen, you, you have 
the capacity to say if this was fairly done or unfairly done. That's all. All right. Um, any any other wrap up to do? And I apologize for losing uh, my internet there. Uh, Jane. Board Member Jane Gibson, there is an issue here um, on number on question two under transparency that comes up under a number of other questions as well, um, and that is that the view that someone outside of the police department should always be reviewing these complaints. Um, so, um, uh, I mean, as you know, as if we if we just set aside the practical matter of whether or not the city wants to pay for an outside consultant or an outside investigator always to investigate the complaints so that the OPA does not do it, um, then we would have the you know a discussion about whether or not we think it's appropriate for. Um, at least within the, I don't know if that's it's our ordinance or not, but if it's appropriate for OPA to do the investigations of citizen or community member complaints, they're not, well, I shouldn't say citizen because we have lots of people who are not always citizens, um, community member complaints. So I think that there is a discussion to be had around um, the who investigates at, at the moment, given, um, I mean, as a, just as a practical matter, um, I'm content to say that OPA should do the, this is my view only, that OPA should continue to do its investigations. But there were other, there were people who wrote things about that I hadn't really given a lot of thought to. There were two concerns and one, on the one hand was that the CPRB would simply become a rubber stamp for OPA, that we wouldn't be able to critically examine those, those files, maybe because we don't know enough or because, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're not a very good board, we're lazy or something. I can't, I don't know what all the, all the scenarios might be. But that's, you know, one point of view is um, that we might become, a, one worry about that is that we might become a rubber stamp. And, and um, the other side of that is that, the, that OPA might um, be incentivized to, I guess, hide information to, um, I don't know, to, to gloss over various complaints. Um, and that's why an outside investigator might be required to do that. But from my from my point of view, I think OPA needs to consider needs to continue those investigations. And this is one of those things that later on, you know, if we ever did see that we had some issues, that's something I think that we could address later. No, no ordinance is ever you know written in stone for uh, in perpetuity. You know, everything can be adjusted as it as it needs to be. And so I guess this is my answer to all those people that said, and it is just my answer, all those people who said that, that we should, that we should not um, endorse OPAs investigating uh, community member complaints, that I think that we should endorse OPAs doing community member complaints until we have a reason to do otherwise. Because we are not in a position to do investigations. We not, we're not ourselves. And, and um, anyway, that's just my view. Okay. Board Member Taylor. Board Member Murray Taylor. So we discussed this early on about various kinds of ways you could structure an oversight review board. And some of them are civilians and they're paid and they're an oversight board. Some cities do it that way. Other cities have OPAs. Other cities have completely independent review um, um, agencies. And so, so I whether I agree or not, structurally, we have an OPA system in the city. So 
So if our charge was to look at what the how the review board fit into that process, I'm not sure that our ordinance could do what what's being requested requested by some of the survey respondents, but it is something that perhaps CityGate then can look at and give recommendations on how you would do an overhaul or restructuring to best practices. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I like that, Marie. And I would say who has oversight to review OPA and their effectiveness? Um, and I'm, I, I'm guessing, you know, I know we've heard from on the presentation on how complaints come in and how they're handled through personnel uh, and human resources. Uh, and there is some oversight uh, through the city, but um, I, um, maybe, I I don't wanna get in the weeds here, but um, I, I concur with what you're saying. And I like uh, what you all also said along with Jane that, that our ordinance does need to be um, defined enough to, to have a role and a place um, and but broad enough to be able to fill in some of these some of the feedback and some ideas from the feedback um, that can support us in what we're what we're supposed to be doing. So um, do we want to move on to two to number three or are we still on two? Um, this board member Stephanie Littleton, I think I think Sanjay had said his particular, I think we're ready for three. Okay, perfect. Let's go ahead and go with that then. So all well said, um, I mean, so, sorry, Tanya, go ahead, yeah. since that's mine. But yeah, well said by Jane Ann Marie. Um, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to hearing, you know, all the analysis that the city has done as we try to move forward with what all we have done here. But on number three, um, I'm going to look at this ordinance. So under, um, I get the section, yeah, 2506 under qualifications going down to the training. I just want to point out on the ordinance, kind of where we're at, um, that we are to complete ratio or other bias-based police training within six months, which we all have done, um, complete coma, which we have done. Then it speaks to receiving additional training as directed by the city manager um, or designee um, to include, but not limited to police use of force, which we've received. Um, it speaks to de-escalation, which I don't recall as receiving that training. Um, and, and then training to ensure the board's understanding of the police department's current complaint and investigation procedures. Um, I just wanted to point out, I mean, it's pretty, broad per se with some specifics in here, but from what the overall of what we received back from the engagement survey, it really speaks to that we need more training and as a board. And I'm just, this is gonna be my opinion, my suggestion with what I read from all the wonderful feedback we've received is that either one, we'd be required and it'd be explicit on our ordinance that we are required to attend the Citizens Academy or if, and since I know that's not been held for the last year or two, and if that's not being conducted, that we are required to attend certain classes, courses, if you will, in the police academy. And I think, you know, that would encompass so many different areas of suggested training, you know, that would be best suited for our board. And we can talk more about those particulars, but that would be 
coming back from this excellent feedback, I think that's the one thing that stands out to me that we're kind of missing. Thoughts on that? Um, just, yeah, in the ordinance, it says this, but not limited to, but just making recommendations for topics. And I see um, uh, question number three, really providing some good feedback on, you know, possible training um, options uh, to consider um, that the board can, can consider going forward. Is that fair? Um, yes, yes. In yeah. a second, this board member stuck in Middleton. A second piece, my thought with the board training is one: the initial right when you come on to the board, the explicit what you are required to do and what trainings to take, and also on an annual basis. If we don't keep up with like continuing education with what the police department is being trained on, you know, obviously going back to what's fitting for our board, then we're going to be remiss and not keeping up with that piece of it too. So I think we should consider two parts of it. One is initially on the board and then maybe looking at an annual for some type of CE of what, what maybe they're being rolled out to the PD. Board member uh, Jane Gibson. Board member Jane Gibson. Um, I think that's a great idea. I like the continuing education idea. I'm not sure um, we might need to hear from staff and we probably need to hear from Catherine McKinley as well about the, uh, I guess what the constraints are um, on training. Um, at this point, the way that the ordinance reads, um, the only the city manager initiates the kind of training, the additional kinds of training um, we might get, it doesn't say we can't ask, um, but we might want to say that we, you know, the board could also request additional kinds of training just to make sure that we're not precluded from that. Um, I don't know if that's just overkill or not. Maybe that's just too much in the weeds. Um, but I like the idea that we would have continuing education so that we know um, how the police are being trained. And I, I think the Citizens Academy is great, but I, I my understanding, um, Captain McKinley, correct me here, is that you it wasn't held or something so i mean i mean is is can you speak to the kinds of training that you know that along those lines that, that the board could get yes this is uh trent mckinley with the police department um i tell you ideally the citizens academy would be great uh it's been several years since we've put on a citizens academy in large part due to our um, our low staffing numbers. So the group that put on the Citizens Academy is our training unit. Our training unit is also the one that runs the back-to-back -back police academies. Uh, it, was, it used to be that we ran one of those a year and now we're running at least two and trying to insert a, uh, an experienced uh, hiring process, if you will, for, to onboard uh, employees. So it's been uh, it's been very difficult. We've we've even had to move additional staff into that unit just to keep up with hiring people. Now that's the reason, uh, but you know it's not to say that we can't or won't have a citizens academy back up and running at some point in the future. 
Uh, as for uh, a curriculum that might be uh, most appropriate uh, for you all to attend, uh, I think that's probably something that we're going to need to develop and work into our, our training programs. Uh, much of what we have to do as far as uh, training topics is mandated by the state. So, for example, to attend firearms training, things like that, uh, that are, of course, required of us. Uh, that may or may not be something that uh, the board has interest in. Um, so I think it would be something that we would we would need to probably, in consultation with you, find out what type of training you would like some exposure to. We could look at where that falls on our calendar and or uh, move some of those things in and out of our calendar so that that can be accommodated. All right, thank you. Um, shall we go ahead and move on to number four then? Um, can we, Jane Gibson, board member, can we hear from Stephanie? Um, sure. Stephanie, does that, um, do you think that will meet our needs to be properly trained to do our jobs? Or Stephanie, did you have something else in mind? Um, this board member, Stephanie Wilson, you were, so I'm trying to follow you, Jane, back to what Captain McKinley saying as far as coming together on a, on what training we want or? Well, he's he's left it pretty open here that they would work with us to, you know, to help us get what we think we need, but this does not, that would not then affect the ordinance. And I wondered if this was, if that was sufficient in your mind or do we need to look at the ordinance to see if there's something we need to add there? Yeah, I, okay. So I think twofold here, I think, and once again, this is my my suggestion based on all the feedback to receive because it, it's reiterated over and over again. Every member of the CPRB should be required a certain number of training hours with the police academy or citizens academy um, that they speak to that we, we, we need more in support of what we're trying to do to support the citizens, right? So I think that it needs to be explicit in the ordinance that we, you know, whatever we decide that is, if that's to be, if it's a citizens academy that we attend, or if we have to attend X amount of hours, maybe we don't, we don't get, we don't want to get too specific and keep it broad, but get police academy training. But I think it needs to be explicit in the ordinance. So that is a requirement that we're receiving that training. And then we can build, I like the idea of the meeting of the minds and talking about what are the, what are those trainings look like that we think would be, benefit us. Um, but I think that it should be explicit in the ordinance. So Jane Gibson board member should Stephanie then should we um, put this to the staff and ask if they can think about how to build that in, or maybe some of you, I see Marie has her hand up, maybe Marie yeah. has some thoughts about all of that. Marie? Marie Taylor, board member, this is already addressed in the revised version of the ordinance. We've written it broad enough to have this flexibility on a year-to-year -year basis to decide what training should be appropriate. It's delegated to the city manager to make the Number decision. Number five. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it's already in there. And not only that, we've added some accountability because we've put it into the reporting requirement that we, ident we identify what topics of training we have received. And so that if this comes up, we're held accountable to, to the public if they see that we're not having this kind of training. On the Citizens Academy, I think it's a shame that we don't have that anymore. And I think that the city needs to 
divert, divert some money for that to fund that because other cities have that and it's and it and it is um, um, a great tool to build community police relations and we're and that's a deficit then if we don't have that and so that would be an ideal way of training us as well as the public and so other cities when i looked at their ordinances that was a requirement that that there's review committee attend citizens academies of course that presumes that they're not going to cancel them mm -hmm. sure a uh, board member gibson and then littleton and Gibson board member. No, I think we're all agreed that we want this training, uh, Marie. I, I'm not arguing that we don't want it. I'm arguing, and I think that the issue, and I'm looking at the revised version two of this of the of the ordinance. Um, it only authorizes the city manager um, to direct. Um, I, I guess it would be the police department to provide us with additional training. I think for me, that's the issue: is do we have um, the ability through the ordinance to request additional training and the, and the ordinance doesn't invite that. The ordinance only says that the city manager can do it. Or designee. Well, that's the designee is the- Is assumed city manager or is designee by well, the- it could be the police chief, I think. I don't know. No, I guess the city manager could designate somebody else, but that would not likely be us. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, board member Taylor, then Littleton. Oops. I think it was Littleton first and then. Oh, thank you. Uh -huh. Okay. This board member, Stephanie Littleton, I just, I do have some disagreement with the provision of the ordinance and what it does say. It is very broad. Some of that is, is good, but I, I still think that knowing that most of us, or not most of us, but some of us on this board that have been on for two and a half years, we have been asking for additional training, um, We've asked for the Citizens Academy and or some training through the police academy. And I, I totally understand and I know that that uh, uh, Captain McKinley and Lieutenant Ernst have spoken um, several times on about the low staffing. I think that's very understandable in that respect. But I think we're simply asking and now we're at a deficit because we're two and a half years into this. Um, and the citizens have spoken on this survey once again about the lack thereof of what we have not received to do what we're trying to do, or they feel that way anyway. Um, and I would be in agreement on some of that, such as the de-escalation. There's other things that, that would be hoop us to have the training on. Um, and I think if we don't put something explicit in here, then we're back to it's, it's broad um, and it can be at the liberty of whenever that becomes available. And is that gonna be how many years down the road? And I'm not meaning to be negative about it, but we are at a deficit right now. And I think, you know, I have read many of, um, as Marie has, you know, through Nicole looking at all the other models. And I think most, if not, not all of them, but most of them do have it in there that you attend the Citizens Academy. And there's really, uh, you know, good reasons for that. So I, I go back to, I don't think that our ordinance supports it enough. Could we ask Marie, uh, this is Jane Gibson, Berman. could we ask Marie, since you are the legal expert among us, could you, could you tell us whether or not this provision under number five is sufficient to allow us to uh, initiate, a, a, I don't know, maybe a conversation or a request for additional training? Is this enough? So I'm not the legal advisor for the 
board. But this is Marie Taylor. Tonight you are. Tonight you're in. Um, I think, hold on a second. Time's up. Sorry, that was my son. <laughs> Sending me repetitive email. Okay, so Marie Taylor, board member. So I think what we're we're going to have to ask this question to the city attorney's office as our list of questions for the policy review. Um, a couple of things because within this, we are an advisory board, so I don't know how much authority we have to demand training of any city staff person or police department staff. So I think that we have. So we are we are constrained with what the city manager who's directly responsible um, and, and then would have to be held accountable for the lack of training that we were to receive. Right. So, so, so I don't, we have to ask them like how we could revise this to put, to have us to have more control over that demanding of the, of training. If we feel like we're lacking it, of course we can ask for training, but then it's the receiving of the training and the funding for that training where we will, we come, you feel the friction. So I would love to write this this right into this a requirement that we have a citizens academy training and see what happens. See if it if it becomes an unfunded mandate, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but we do that. And then they can just tell us, then if it's in there, well, they have to provide us the training. <laughs> and they have to find a way to fund it. So that's my that's my uh, that's just my opinion. <laughs> James Lyon, James Lyon. Maneuver. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. I, I like, I, you know, we all regret the unfunded mandates because they're they're great <laughs> symbolic gestures that don't take us anywhere. Um, I, I, I would just add, I appreciate um, Captain McKinley's suggestion that we might work together to think about, you know, what kinds of training we need and if they then could maybe develop some of that training for us. But it, that, you know, that suggests to me again, you know, thinking back about, um, whether or not we have the ability to listen to the police union in some some fashion, um, that we need more input from the police on you know on the work that they do, and this is an example of that. We need the help of the police department to help train us, you know, to teach us what we need to know so that we can do a, a respectable job here. Board member Marie, too. So I have board member Marie Taylor. I have an idea for the police department. They could offer offer a very short course, virtual version of a police academy with some some just a few topics and have it last a day or two. And maybe that would be helpful for the public to also have the opportunity to participate. Now that we've moved more into virtual, maybe that could be a cost effective measure to provide some sort of a some sort of type of citizens academy. Board member Gibson. Board member Jane Gibson, to move us on, I wonder if we could, um, for the moment, I, mean, I, I have a running list, I hope the rest of you do too, but for the moment, could we table this question and, and agree that we would um, go to the staff to ask about um, how to adjust the ordinance and maybe, maybe we would even have another conversation about the unfunded mandate about putting the Citizens Academy in there. Um, but it's on my list and I hope it's on your list and so that we don't lose this because I think we all agree that, that we need the training. I think Captain McKinley agrees we need training. 
And so do many of the people who took our survey think that we need right. more cleaning. So let's move on. If you all would agree to absolutely. take but hold on to it so that it doesn't get lost. Uh, and absolutely. thank you, Stephanie, for, for, for bringing this to our attention, Stephanie, because this is really important. Uh, absolutely. Um, can it be noted, Brandon, in the in the minute somehow to put kind of a, a mark there to, to return back to this? Assistant Manager Brandon McGuire, yes, I'm taking notes. Okay, thank you. All right, so we're going to move on to question four. Oh, okay. Hold on. Question four is mine. This is Jane Gibson, board member. There it is. Okay. Let's see. This question is, how important is it for community members to be able to submit confidential complaints about the Lawrence Police Department directly to the CPRB? Well, I wrote um, in my um, summary document um, what was wrong with the question, and it had a lot wrong with it, and so we got a lot of answers that were not very helpful to us, but we also got some, some helpful answers on this. I'm just going to cut right to the chase about what came out of these answers that I think we might want to think about as... Um, and, and there's not a whole lot uh, that, I, that I think speaks to the needs of the ordinance, I guess I would say. Um, and one um, was about um, the fact that our ordinance doesn't overcome fear of the police or citizen retaliation against complainants. And those uh, retaliation, the thinking of the person who wrote that was that the complainants or that the, those who want to retaliate could be members of the community or members of the police. And it could be against members of the community and members of the police. And that's not something that I think we had really contemplated. Um, I certainly hadn't. But so it raised the question of whistleblowers, but that, um, and so for a minute I was thinking, well, is that something that we could even contemplate as being within our purview? And I think the answer to that is a clear and resounding no, it can't be, um, but A, because we don't do investigations. And if, and I assume that there are some uh, mechanisms in place for the police department to handle um, if there are whistleblowers within um, but I'd like to, I'd be interested to hear what the rest of you have to say about that. And then I have just one other issue that I'll raise from question four. Um, Jane, it's looking like we don't have any uh, questions, comments, or... <laughs> anything okay. otherwise <laughs> All right, then i'll just move on because okay. I, I didn't think we would that was within the scope of what we can do but i wanted to raise it okay um because somebody else did all right so that leaves the only other issue that i thought was was really especially helpful in the ordinance and it's just a question here it's about um the confusion of many of the people who responded to our survey of confidentiality with anonymity because those are not the same things but people seem to have thought that they were and the, uh, and so a number of people were saying things like um uh, it's great that we have this, this opportunity to have confidential meaning anonymous complaints but uh, because that means that people who would otherwise be really intimidated and wouldn't ever come forward can have a place that they can come with, you know, in some sense of security and safety. And again, no retaliation and no, you know, no blowback of any kind. But that also means there's no investigation because, you know, anonymity means you don't know who it is. <laughs> you don't know anything about the complaint except that somebody's making it. And of course, you know, the other side of that coin is that those complaints then could just be uh, fraudulent. They could just be inventions, you know, and um, it's impossible to investigate a complaint that doesn't have a name on it. Nevertheless, uh, because there are um, there are real concerns about people who won't come forward because they're afraid 
of retaliation from the police or retaliation from um, other community members. I thought I would just ask the question of the board. Is there any good reason you can think of to allow any occasion for an anonymous complaint? Or are those just ruled out altogether? Board member Taylor, board member Littleton next. Okay, so well, board member Marie Taylor, I don't think they fit into the system because I think part of just any kind of um, a system that that's that deals with accusations in the United States has does not allow for like anonymous accusations that cannot where you like it's the idea of con confronting confronting the person or the witness who's making the complaints. There's there's that I think that's just integral to the system. So I don't think you can have something be completely anonymous. Confidential is different. Board member Littleton. Yeah, this board member, Stephanie Littleton, well said by Marie, anonymous. Uh, there's no fairness in, in that, and there's nothing to support it. So that that would not be something we'd want to consider. Yeah. Um, Captain McKinley? Just to jump in real quick, uh, the Lawrence Police Department does accept uh, anonymous complaints. Uh, and we do that for good reason, because if the complaint is specific enough, even if we don't know who's making it, and we have material things that we can go, go follow up on and prove or disprove ourselves, that information is still valuable to us. Albeit, it, it is better to have somebody that you can identify, follow up with, and ask you know uh, pertinent questions to. Uh, but we have thus far chosen to accept anonymous complaints, just for background. Thank you. Uh, thank you for providing that to us. Uh, Board Member Gibson. Board Member Jane Gibson. Well, then, Captain McKinley, does that mean that you think that if people submit directly to us that we should accept anonymous complaints and turn them over to you? Uh, this is Captain Trent McKinley. Uh, I think in order to be consistent with the uh, policy on whether uh, we as a city and a, as a police department should or should not accept anonymous complaints, I think that, uh, yes, I, I think that that should happen. I think if you're able to have an interaction with that person who's making that complaint, uh, just pointing out that it needs to be very specific, have some things that uh, potentially we can follow up on. There are so many things anymore in, in our world of law enforcement with uh, GPS on our cars and, and cameras in the cars, cameras on our bodies, uh, calls that are all logged, um, that even without the specifics uh, from that person, i.e. their name, uh, we still have things that we can follow up on. Does this implicate the ordinance in any way, Jane Gibson board member, or I mean, if people want to submit them and, and we take them, I guess we don't need to change the ordinance in any way, do we? This is Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. The definition of a complaint in the current ordinance is um, any community member's expression of dissatisfaction with the law enforcement action, however presented. And I don't just, you know, scanning through it right now, I don't see any thing that prohibits anonymous submission. Thank you, Brandon. And thank you, Captain McKinley. This is Jane Gibson, board member. I would just say we should leave that alone. And if we get them, we can turn them over to OPA. But, but I, for one, um, with Marie, and I don't think they fit very well. I don't think they help us as much as they could. On the other hand, you know, I recognize that um, it's conceivable that people are afraid to file complaints if they have to put their names on them. So 
There it is. Right, um, Jane, do you want to go ahead and continue on uh, question four? I'm done yeah, with four, thank you. I'm oh, done with four. Sanjay okay. wants something. Oh, I'm sorry, Sanjay? I, I just wanted to endorse what uh, Captain McKinley said is, given the advancement in technology, today you don't need somebody to identify who they are. By if they say 1231, I interacted with an officer, there's a quite chance that they will be able to nail the officer and they will be able to figure out the interaction, what the interaction was. So anonymous may also work. Well, see, Sanjay, you find that reassuring. I find that just terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find it terrifying? That's the word, that's the word, we, word we have to live in now. Mm -hmm. Well. I don't want to go into <laughs> I okay do anything else on question four okay if not let's go on uh, to the next one please question five um, well uh, we we have more feedback from uh, Bill did, did um, on two number fours no not really okay. Uh, we'll go on to number five. Um, I think I also did five, didn't I? I, I believe you did. Board member Marie Taylor, the the files the the file num names are, are aren't different, right? Just just for for Bill and Jane, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we'll go on to number five. I I think the one that we yeah, the one that we were looking at where the for Jane was the right one. It was the first one that said Jane in the agenda. However, the file was named incorrectly. Five is Bill's. No, Bill didn't. Do five. Bill did four. I have Bill assigned to five, but I maybe know. he did four. It was just some confusion about the numbering system, Sanjay. It's nothing. It's it's fine. Okay, thank you. Okay, so we'll go on with five. Thank you, Jane. Okay, this is Jane Gibson, board member. On number five, the, the question on number five is how fair is the proposed complaint review process? And so the setup for the question laid out, you know, what we do um, in that complaint review process. And our responses were um, very, really interesting. And it was when I did number five that I had a, a new appreciation for um, the thoughtful responses that we got from community members who took the survey. Um, because we had some people who said um, that the review process is too expensive, that it's inefficient, that it's unnecessary, you know, it's, it's, it's a duplication of work and, um, and it's, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be engaged in all that. Um, but then we had some people who said, yep, it's just fine. And others who said it doesn't go far enough. So it was a really interesting, uh, to me, it was a really interesting question because people really thought about it in a number of different ways and came up with some fairly nuanced responses. And some of those I thought might have some implications for the ordinance. So here are the areas that I thought we might consider. Um, and we raised this one already about the concerns about that. You no, know, these are different concerns about that third party investigator. Um, the, in our um, in our process, when we get back um, a re 
investigated file because we asked for more information and we believe that that investigation has not been sufficient to resolve the complaint, we have the option to ask the city manager to hire a third party investigator. So people were concerned about that, that partly that they didn't feel that they knew enough about that process of hiring, of selecting um, the third party investigator. Um, they um, wanted to know how that investigator's, I guess, authority would be conferred. And I assume that would be by the city manager who would hire that person. Um, they wanted to know if the findings of this third party investigator would be binding in any way. Um, and then they said, um, without fleshing out this process, now there's no way to be confident this option of last resort is something to put our faith in. So um, I guess the way that that might influence the ordinance is whether or not we think that that is still um, a viable step that we should take, a, an important step that we should take. Um, there were some who thought that by taking the investigation back to um, OPA, that that was just an inefficient waste of resources. Um, but I think when I, went, I went and I reread the entire process again and thought through, and I think that it's necessary that um, OPA be, be asked to, to, to pursue additional information when we feel like the investigation wasn't sufficient. And then that means that the, the, the I guess the last resort for the board, if we feel like the investigation is is still in need of some assistance that is the city manager. So um, we still have these concerns about the third party investigator. And so some people wanted to see more specificity about that, but I don't know that that belongs in the, um, in the ordinance. I, but people want to know um, what that third party investigator means, you know, who would, who would it be? Would it be a group of people? Would it be one person? How would that person be selected and by whom and with what qualifications and, so anyway, they, for, for a lot of people, that third-party investigator was kind of a black box, but maybe that's the way it needs to be. Um, shall I move on? Or do you, does anybody want to comment on the questions around the third-party investigator? Marie does. Marie Taylor, board member. We talked about this when we when we were deciding whether we could go this far in, in putting this in the ordinance. And again, that's not that was in the category of unfunded mandate. And we knew that. And we and we put it in knowing that that's the direction we would like to have happen. And we know that it's not within our purview to to hire that person to decide on the qualifications or how that would fit into the structure because that would rest with the city manager. So uh, I think I think we came down on wanting it in there and then and leaving it to the city commission to decide whether they thought it was appropriate since we're just advisory. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I'm, I'm remembering and I, I think I brought some of that up. Um, we talked about an, an ombudsman and or, or something, you know, with regard to that. And um, and I agree with you, um, Marie. I think um, I I think I feel comfortable leaving it to the city commission to um, <clears throat> maybe define that part. Um, but I also, you know, I I I I read through the the summary of responses um, quite often and. You know, I mean, there there are there are some again the investment of uh, of, of response um, of folks who um, are very knowledgeable and took some time to um, understand the issue um, and the ordinance itself um, was was pretty clear. Um, 
in the dynamic and the arrangement, like the city manager has a skin in the game, <laughs> you know, all those, those comments um, are, I mean, those are all a variety of different uh, viewpoints that are legitimate, you know? Um, so anyway, I, I'm, I like what you said, Marie. Cause I don't remember how we resolved it at the time uh, to come to the, where we did in the ordinance. Well, I think we just decided to live with the unfunded mandate because it is because yeah. we, we needed some other place to go other than yeah. while well, we just disagree. Right. And and I guess a larger way to address that is just to make sure it's 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 vetted in a way that has checks and balances that guarantee fairness and justice um, through the process. Well, this is one of those things where we're not going to yeah. know. Yeah. You know, until we've lived with this for a while and we've seen how it works. Right. Right. Um, So shall I move on? Does anybody else want to? Okay, I'm moving on. Um, second from question five, um, is this comes back to the OPA investigations and people were concerned about a lack of transparency there. I mean, there, you know, there are people out there who don't trust the CPRB and there are people out there who don't trust the police department. Um, this is this comes from a point of view that the OPA has a conflict of interest in investigating um, community member complaints against police officers. And so the suggestion was made um, by a number of people, not that it matters, we can just say a suggestion was made um, that the CPRB should have a role to play in those investigations. Um, maybe have a representative work with or observe OPA in the process. I don't know how, how I don't know anything about the logistics of that, what, you know, whether that's practical or feasible at all or um, but uh, it seems to me a legitimate concern that that there is there is no um, transparency around those investigations. And what we get is is um, we get a, 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 an investigative file. It's a done it's a done deal at that point. So um, I like I thought it was an interesting idea that the CPRB might play some role there, some role there. On page four, right? Jane? Pardon me? That was on page four, is that correct? Of what? Of the document. Um, I don't know, I made some notes. Or you made several notes, myself. okay, I'm sorry. You don't have access okay. to that. These are my notes about what the policy implications sure. okay. are. Implications. Any thoughts about um, having a role to play? Yeah. Um, Board member Marie Taylor, I think we, discuss this with uh, the city attorney uh, about how our how much of a role we could play in the actual investigation. So I think we should put this on the list of questions back to them on the analysis to 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 tell us what the extent like of of a role we could play in that process. What what's our limit? And that would help us figure out whether we could change the ordinance to to, to play a more active role. Good. Okay. I'm good yeah. with that. Okay, it's on my list. Uh, Brandon, I hope that's on your list too. Thank you. Um, and then I have one more, and this is about, and this one is actually um, a follow-up on our district attorney, Suzanne Valdez's concern, and it came up again in the survey. I was happy to see that because I met with Suzanne uh, by Zoom to talk about um, her concern that there could be competing investigations and that an, an investigation 
um, that we had in, had requested, you know, the third party investigator we requested of the city manager might be conducting something that was in fact referred to the DA for criminal investigation. And that um, those parallel investigations um, were sort of untenable and that the third party investigation that we might request would interfere with and undermine the criminal investigation of anything that went to the DA's office. So um, I can't say that I understand all that. I certainly believe her, and um, I and I don't and I think anything, any complaint that was referred to the DA's office is already in pretty good hands there. Um, and so I, it's my view that we need to add a statement to the ordinance that any complaint referred to the DA's office for criminal investigation will not be reviewed by the CPRB. That that's just out of our hands once it goes to the DA's office. Board Member Gibson, can you can re repeat that last part just one more time? Yes, I think the that we, the ordinance. you mean about what we need to add to the ordinance? Yes, please. Okay, well, this is this is um, my view, but um, I, I will say that Suzanne Valdez thinks that this this is what we need to be do, what we need to do. Not that it's her call; it's our call. But um, uh, I think that we need to add the statement that um, any complaint referred. Uh, by the, I guess, probably OPA or the police department to the DA's office for criminal investigation will not be reviewed by the CPRB. So that we don't have those parallel complaints. We don't have the possibility that a third party investigator would somehow undermine the DA's investigation. Does that make any sense? Marie. So, um, Marie Taylor, board member. I, I again, I, I think we need to talk to our own, the own, our own city council on this point because I think we did discuss how, and I and I can't remember the details about how the process works when it in when there there already is some sort of relationship between the OPA complaints and district attorney investigations already and so I can't remember the details on that so I'm not sure that there's going to be an inconsistency it may be that we never get to those they may I think there may be some sort of like um, abatement or some sort of like suspension on the OPA side I'm not sure I cannot remember the details but I know it did come up in discussion that that was separate from our role when they were when we were just being told about how the process works so i think we just have to circle back and look at that question again yeah i agree i think that's a really good idea to take it to the to the staff um but i also um um you have a, you have memories of discussions that I don't rem I don't recall so i'm just gonna we'll just call it my uh dementia or something um uh but the problem is that our uh, ordinance at the moment says that we will review all complaints. And uh, in this case, when we have, uh, there are some cases um, OPA doesn't investigate, they immediately turn them over to somebody else to investigate. And sometimes that's the DA's office. So um, I'm, I'm delighted to turn this over to the staff and ask them, ask them to look at this and help us with it because I, I don't think that we want to be at odds with the judicial system, we want to be, you know, supportive of and le of letting that system work properly. So, thank you, Marie. I appreciate that. Yes. And that's all I've got on number five. Okay, thank you. Any other questions from the board? Okay, if we'll if not, we'll move on to six. 
membership. Um, well, I'm afraid that's me again. Yes, it is. Thank uh, you. Yeah, this is, oh, no, 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 please. I don't mind that at all. Um, I found this to be a really interesting experience and I enjoyed it. So please don't say that. Um, so this one is about um, how well the requirements would help the CPRB reflect community diversity. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, when we wrote the setup for the question, we left out this little line that comes up in the paragraph above under 2505 that says that the mayor and the governing body will appoint uh, I can't remember the exact words, board members who reflect the racial and ethnic makeup of the community. It's something just like that. Um, and so there were, we didn't put that in the setup. And so there were people who did not go back and read the ordinance and, um, and were asking interesting questions about what we meant by diversity. Um, but they made some cogent points. Some, other, some, some of these folks made some really cogent points about that. And so the first, um, I would say that there are three and they are about diversity, about criminal background um, and about conflict of interest. And the last two are closely related. So let me talk about diversity really quickly. Um, people asked which community characteristics should be represented on the CPRB, even though right now the mayor and the governing body it says that they should look for racial and ethnic composition of the community and try to reflect that. One thing, it doesn't say anything about the distribution of those categories. And that's probably a really good thing. I actually did the math on that using the 2019 census of Lawrence. And we'd have to have, in order to actually represent the distribution of racial and ethnic diversity in the community, we'd have to have a board of 50 people. And I think that's a little unwieldy, frankly. So I don't think that's going to happen. But it does mean um, we have uh, some things to consider about the composition of the board and relying on racial and ethnic diversity. And the first is, um, uh, or the second one is that the racial and ethnic diversity uh, don't describe very much of the diversity of the community. They are important elements of the diversity in the community. And, and um, but the town has, uh, is diverse with a, uh, with regard to a number of other characteristics like gender and sexual orientation, religion, age, ability, income, housing status, occupation, what kind of car you own, whether you've been to the dentist in the last six months, all you know, there's all kinds of diversity that we could think about. And some of these categories are more salient than others with regard um, to uh, community interactions and a healthy relationship with the Lawrence Police Department. So um, we already know, um, I believe we all agree, I don't well, I believe that the racial and ethnic composition are key elements here um, that that, are, that contribute to the questions of community police department relationships. But there are other categories that are that are important as well. And sexual orientation is one that came up um, in the study that was thrown out because of the methodology in it. But but it did come up as some as a group of people in Lawrence, um, the LGBTQIA community said that they felt that they were not treated well by the police department. And it was a, you know, it was a bad methodology, no question about that. But it does suggest that racial and ethnic diversity might not be the only things that we need to be thinking about when it comes to the composition of the board. Um, and then the, another point is um, that even if we could produce, this, this was a really interesting point to me, if we could, even if we could produce a board that was a representative of the racial and ethnic composition of, the, of Lawrence, um, and, um, and maybe some of these other diverse characteristics. There really is no empirical reason to assume that these categories have anything to do with the fairness or impartiality of the board. That is to say that a person who doesn't uh, fall into some stereotyped category is perfectly capable of rendering a, an impartial decision. And yet, you know, we might have assumed when we chose racial and ethnic diversity that people who don't fit these categories won't 
be um, fair and impartial. So the questions that I think that the question that that people have raised around diversity are: should we add other categories to the diversity of residents that the mayor should try to represent in their appointments to the board, um, or should we change the wording? to say something like the mayor and the governing body shall include community members who reflect the diversity of the community, which is broad and open, um, or should we leave it as is with its focus on racial and ethnic diversity and no reference to distribution, of course, which is inevitable, that has to be the case. So this is the question of qualifications for the board and the role that diversity should play in, in appointments to the board. Marie. <laughs> Remember Marie Taylor, we keep calling on the same people because it's not all of us here. So I, I just want you to just, <laughs> okay. So um, a couple of points. Um, I think that we have to recall that the structure of the board review was limited to the racial profiling bias-based policing. So the language, we, we, we inherited this language and we, we just didn't change it. So, so I think that when we opened up the description of all the different kinds of um, diverse characteristics that we, when we, we defined beyond just a, sort of like a race or ethnicity-based um, concerns, we, we didn't also expand this section of, of what, who would we look, we'd be looking for on this board. So I think it makes sense to, also expand that definition to some to, to to at least reflect what we what we had all the work we initially did to kind of expand that those categories to begin with. So I that's something we should talk about as in terms of a potential um, revision, um, and then keep it as without any restrictions on like meeting certain um, quotas, so to say. Right, we're not. I don't think that was the point. It's more to have these as of of cat of you know leaving it to the city commission to use their good judgment to appoint a board that over time reflects the community, since it's it's not a moving target. I mean, excuse me, it is a moving target. Yeah, what our demographics are from you know from year to year, census to census, right? So, mm -hmm. I think it's it's it, it can accommodate that. We just didn't. We just didn't write that in when we were doing this this revision so we should do that and then i think we have to also think about the the other aspects of this membership question on that criminal background mm -hmm. so we can talk about that as well i do have some things on that if, if you don't mind my jumping in there on on criminal on the is, does anybody else want to speak to the question about diversity i think you said it well marie uh, sanjay yeah. uh-huh and Jamesha board members on, on racial diversity, I, I hear what Marie is saying that we need to leave it to the city commission. But I'm thinking, can we put some guardrails on it? So that who knows if there is a mayor who thinks very differently than we do or the community that should not be, they will not be the mayor. But so to say that, that at least half or more than half the members should be represented from quote unquote minority communities.
Can we can we include that in the discussion that we'll agree to have? Sanjay, is that okay? I, I put it on my list. Yeah. Guardrails. I put guardrails on my list. <laughs> okay. Okay. Guardrails and the criminal background conversation to Marie okay. to affirm I'm that. Up on that. Oh, okay. You're gonna. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Because the second element on, uh, is it okay if I move on? Yes. To criminal background. Um, respondents expressed concern that criminal background checks and conflicts of interest could work as disincentives for to application for board members. Um, so they ask a number of questions about that. Like if my, um, if I was, you know, if I had a DUI 10 years ago, does that mean that I can't be on the board? Um, uh, they could also be used to exclude those who have criminal records or direct or indirect experience with the Lawrence Police Department or with any police department. Um, that comes back to conflict of interest as well. Um, and uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color and low-income residents are seen to be disproportionately represented in these categories of those who have criminal records or direct and indirect experience with the Lawrence Police Department. So depending on definition and application, respondents noted that criminal background checks and the conflict of interest provision could undermine the goal of creating a CPRB that reflects community characteristics. I can see that. Um, having people on the board, someone else pointed out, um, interestingly, that having people on the board with personal experience and knowledge of the Lawrence Police Department and justice system could actually benefit the board. So the questions are, what kinds of information should be disqualifying um, in these uh, background checks, if we're going to have them, and I assume we're going to have them. I think the city probably requires that, but we can ask Brandon about that. Um, should the amount of time since a criminal offense matter, and what should the standard be for passing the background check? Those are questions that were asked um, by by the respondents on, on that subject. Marie. Board member Marie Taylor. So as you all know, we did a lot of work to uh, to limit what was already contained in terms of what we saw as restrictions on people based on past criminal uh, history. And I think that we had already eliminated a lot of that, the language that really would, would have been really problematic to the people who complained about this on the survey. <laughs> if they had seen, if they had reviewed the original law, or I should say the current law as it is now, they would probably be shocked. Um, so I think that we had got it down to just uh, the the need for the background check was related to current if they were pending criminal issues, right? And then that's where we saw that there could be a conflict of interest. Someone can remind me if that's corrected. That's let me look at this. But it seems like we had had got it down to having less of an impact, except for things that would really generate a conflict of interest because there was say like a pending criminal matter. Is that everyone's understanding? It says um, that it just says that they that anybody on the board is going to have to submit to a criminal background check. Background it check. doesn't say um, it doesn't it doesn't answer these questions about um, what kinds of information would be disqualifying or amount of time since the offense was committed or um, or any standards for passing a background check. And those are the those are the main issues. So all it says is that they we would all Need of us one. submit. Right. Uh huh. Uh, board member Taylor. Okay, uh, board member Marie Taylor. So what we've got it down to, the only thing I could see that the, the only reason re to have 
a background, a criminal background check was to satisfy this qualification under 12506, have no pending criminal charges, no pending. So I think if there, then there's a disconnect if, if, if we don't say that's the reason why we are having a criminal background check. It's not for, it's not to be used to just exclude people. It could be if it's misused, yes. Uh, well, Stephanie? I think you're right that there's a disconnect and that's, we need to address that. Uh, board member Littleton. And this board member, Stephanie Littleton, I was just gonna speak to that. Yeah, we talked to city staff at length about this and, and really whittled this down quite a bit just to that pending, so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, board member Gibson. Board member Gibson, but that means, um, I mean, here, when it just says everybody submits to one, that that doesn't mean that that the background check can't going be to disqualify of many other kinds of, of uh, criminal records. I think we have, I think that it's reasonable to ask us to be uh, more explicit. If we're gonna have a criminal background check, you know, what are the expectations there? Um, that and, and and furthermore, the question about um, that we answered about about no pending criminal uh, charges. That's about conflict of interest, not about the the background check, the criminal mm -hmm. background check. So conflict of interest is related, but it doesn't doesn't answer this. I don't think it answers this question. I, I think this is one we're going to need to talk to staff about again. Yeah, I agree. Uh, board member Taylor. So board member Murray Taylor, a way to um, perhaps um, reach the same results is if we have an application for the board that makes people warrant and represent that they don't have any pending charges. And then there's nothing stopping the city commission or the mayor who's who's doing it to check to see. I mean, it's it's public record if there's a pending criminal charge. <laughs> They could just do their own due diligence and then you wouldn't have to make everyone submit a background check and maybe you'd have this you could make the same sort of uh investigation on the qualifications of the candidate based on their representation yeah I, mm -hmm. murray taylor board member that's just an just an idea yeah <laughs> board member mishra board member sanjay mishra so I, I remember this discussion and we wanted to make it as loose as possible so people with prior records were not uh, siphoned off and they were also eligible to come. But mm -hmm. as I'm hearing this, something comes to mind is, does the gravity of prior offense not matter completely? A number of people ask that. Some people say yeah. felony. felony. Not be right. serve, so I, my law, law degree, I don't have a law degree, so I would defer to the city lawyer or the resident consultant lawyer to say if it is type one or type two or level one, level two, level three offense, and then they can grade it up. That would help because I, you wouldn't want somebody who is, uh, yes. <laughs> Okay, uh, board member Taylor. Board member Murray Taylor. So I look, when I was looking at other boards and how they were structured, some boards had this as a requirement, some sort of no felons allowed. 
Then there were mm -hmm. other boards that were silent and did not use this as a disqualification. I did notice that the city of Dallas used to have this as a requirement and they removed it from all of their city boards. And I thought that was a step forward. Okay. Uh, clearly this is something we need to revisit when we um, uh, address the ordinance. Would that be fair to say? And this gives us a lot of good information to, to continue conversation about that. Okay, uh, Jane, is there anything else? One more, and that's uh -huh. on con conflict of interest. This is Jane Gibson, board member. On conflict of interest, um, we have the issue of no pending criminal charges, but we also have um, questions from respondents about what will constitute conflict of interest. It is very open, very um, undefined in our ordinance. So they ask which kinds of relationships, um, this is my boiling down of a lot of different comments, which kinds of relationships, opinions, or experience constitute conflicts of interest. So for example, um, I have a brother-in-law who is a, a police officer. Does that disqualify me? Because somebody would, would think I am uh, biased in favor of the police. Or um, Stephanie is a former police officer. Should she be disqualified? Because because maybe she has an ax to grind. <laughs> <Can't stop laughs> the so, um, or, you know, people who, um, there were some interesting examples, like people who have spoken out against the police, or should those people be disqualified for their um, vocal opinions? Um, uh, so it, it is pretty broad and pretty open to leave conflict of interest. And, you know, we might decide that we want to leave that in the, in the hands of the mayor and the governing body, but we also might want to think about that a little more. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Thank you. Uh, anything else, Jane? No, that's it for five. Can I add that to our list to talk about a little more? A absolutely, please. Okay, I think we're ready for seven now. Board member Marie Taylor, this is my, this was the catch-all. So <laughs> it was. Quite, it was hard to create a summary. So unless a comment was very redundant of another comment, um, I included them all because I thought they all stood on their own. But when I read through them, um, they seem to have made their, these same comments throughout all of them. <laughs> they, they just repeated uh, how they felt on other, uh, all the sections, they, same, same sorts of sentiments came up. And so I don't think they uh, present us with anything that's specific to an ordinance uh, uh, revision that we would have to consider. Uh, they they were just sentiments that I think, if anything, we would want to make sure CityGate had it had a copy of Back. which mm -hmm. they did. So I so which we, we we Brandon confirmed. So I think if anything, we just have a sense of how um, how the extremes on both on both sides of. Mm -hmm the issues, whether we should even exist as a board versus we're doing a great job and keep going forward. So uh, there was no real way to to um, to have a, there was no consensus. Right. But um, was, I'm I'm very glad that everyone who took the survey took the time to to um, to do that and give their comments to us. And 
Um, and I'm glad that it was one of the more um, more uh, responsive uh, activities on that Lawrence surveys. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's I'm really pleased with that. So they all kind of stand on their own, but uh, I'm glad that they took the survey. Yeah, me too. I, I think that, uh, again, thank you, Marie. Any questions or follow-up to Marie? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think this, this, all the work that everyone's done, this is great. And this was a, you know, I want to step back and, and thank the group uh, in, in planning uh, the, the communication plan as you did and um, the resources from the city that helped with this, um, because I think, yeah, it was very successful and, um, and, and really, really good feedback and, and good engagement from our citizens, really. So, um, yay. Um, okay, so we've got some follow-up work to do. It looks like we have some time, as Brandon said, uh, to uh, receive some feedback from the uh, CityGate folks. So we've got a, a May that we can, May 13th is our next proposed meeting where we can roll up our sleeves and uh, address maybe the five to six uh, follow-up issues that we've identified this evening. I think they're around that many um, and take a very hearty look at the, at the ordinance with regard to those. Is that, would, would everyone feel comfortable next steps with that, uh, Jane? Um, Jane Gibson, board member. I'd like to know if Tony and Randy will be with us because we need them. Yeah. Brandon, can you tell us if Tony and Randy will be with us at the May 13th meeting? Or if we need to reschedule it for the week after to make it a full month from now, that would be even better. But, you know, whenever we can get them, we need them with us. This is Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. Um, so would, would the request of the board be for legal counsel to be present to speak specifically about these uh, questions that were raised tonight? Yeah. Okay. Yes, because because they, you know, what we want to avoid is is putting them in a position that where they're going to be asked to provide legal counsel, you know, on the fly, uh, you know, just based on whatever questions may come up. So, um, I will provide this to um, City Attorney Tony Wheeler, uh, the feedback from this evening, and ask ask her to. Uh, to take a look at it and give us an ETA on when she could uh, re return um, her analysis or the analysis of her staff back to the board. Thank you, that'd be terrific. Okay, so we'll plan on following up um, on the 13th then. Yeah. So, may I? Uh, Sanjay, uh-huh. Yeah. Sanjay Mishra, board member. So as we plan the next meeting, I know this is important because this gets the ordinance in place. But I think what we seem to be getting away from is some of our training and understanding of the process. And I want to draw our attention to that also to see how much time we budget to this and to the training. So I, I would propose that we split into an hour each and see if we can, if if we think we need some training, to bring an hour of training up. 
Are you suggesting that we have a conversation of the type of training and propose the training that we need to prepare if, for? If, if that's the first place, I thought the, the citizens have suggested some of the things that we need mm -hmm. to know, and we have been asking for some of those. So maybe an R split it into two so that we, we keep getting updated on the other side also. Otherwise, we'll be playing catch up. Okay. Uh, any response, comments? Jane? Board Member Jane Gibson. Sanjay, I really appreciate your your frustration, you know, about the training issues, which, you know, I have come up a number of times. Um, on the, at the same time, I wonder, I, you know, I, I guess I find it frustrating to have a meeting that has a training in it and then tries to get this other business done. And what that has meant all along is that we've not been able to move this ordinance forward. And I know that we're, we're still going to be hearing from CityGate and that there are other reasons we'll be adjusting this ordinance. But if, I think if we're, if we're going to have a, a training, I think it should be a meeting devoted to the training and not, not try to have a meeting that is so compressed with so many agenda items that we can't get them done. We can't. I, I, don't, I guess for me, Sanjay, I want to get the ordinance done. So I, for me, that's the that's a. It's not to say that training is not a priority. I'm I'm totally on board with you on that, Sanjay. Um, but I'd like to get the ordinance done. And if we if if everybody wants to do a training, then I'm in. Let's just not try to do a training and fix the ordinance all in one night. Mm -hmm. um, I I think uh, we could put it on the agenda to talk about it. Um, and, and have maybe a better timeline with regard to our next two meetings and in concluding our work here on the ordinance and, and how to fold in the feedback or the recommendations from, um, from CityGate. And you said that might be in June, uh, Brandon? Assistant City Manager, yes, I, I would expect to have a, a draft in hand um, in time for the June meeting. Does that mean a presentation as well? Um, Assistant City Manager Brendan McGuire, I'm, I'm not sure if the consultant will be ready to present to the board. I, I would okay. assume so, uh, but I will need to follow up with the consultant on their specific, you know, their their ability to do that at the June Police Review, Review Board meeting. Uh, additionally, um, you know, the 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 report out. Uh, will include some public in engagement opportunities um, as we've envisioned it so far. But um, typically when a consultant produces a report, they they present that like a report like this, they present that report to the city commission. Um, so we need to just kind of think about the mechanics of that. So it may be more appropriate instead for the consultant to present the report to the city commission and the police review board members can um, you know, be on that that same meeting, uh, you know, view that meeting, okay. um, and then maybe have follow-up discussion, and maybe we can get a member of the consultant team to join the board meeting after that, um, as opposed okay. to presenting the whole report. So, I'll, okay, so I, I'll, I'll think through that a little bit. We might have a better bit. timeline then um, by May 13th? Yes, yes. Okay. And, and so we can talk about some some training options and some some date options on that. Uh, Sanjay. So I don't want to cram our agenda, but I'm looking at May and June being very busy months because we need to produce our annual report also. Mm -hmm. Madam Chair. So 
I would at least start work on that so that we can revise it and finalize it in our June meeting. Because, right, that's mm-hmm. June 31st is when we need to put out our report. Uh, I don't have the calendar right in front of me. Um, Brandon, do you know? It says, one of uh, the ordinance will say we need to put out a report to. Yeah. But our, our assistant city manager, Brandon Wart, Tanya, are you talking about um, you're not aware of the schedule beyond? Well, uh, yeah. If Are we going to do a prep or, or a draft of the, of the uh, report in June for a July uh, submission? To issue, in, yeah, in July. Dave, what? Are you talking about our report? Yeah. Our report is due um, to the state by the end of July. I, I thought you were referring to the re- review board's report. So it could should be available. Now let me think about this for a second. I, I apologize. We're reporting. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Assistant City Manager Brennan Guard. And that was uh, Lieutenant Dave Arns. Um, you, you're, you're talking about the uh, department's report to uh, He's talking the Attorney General? Reports. Uh, no, Sanjay, go ahead. No, I was talking about our report that we have to give to the city commission, the board's report to the city commission. We put out an annual report, right? That's what we are wanting to do. Yes, no. Are you it's talking about what cr- we've proposed in the ordinance? Yeah. <laughs> and and we have ordinance. done that every year. We have done that every year. It says in the ordinance that we do it after July 31st, Tanya. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 And this is—we added that to this ordinance. It has not been. Did we add it? Oh, that's not in. That's not in the current ordinance. Oh crap! No, no. I don't think it is. But we have been delivering a report every year. Yes. Yes. Why were we doing that? (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) Captain McKinley. Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire, uh, yes, there, there is a provision in the current ordinance uh, that does say the board will report to the City Commission from time to okay. time regarding its activities, including an annual report to be presented to the City Commission at the first regularly, regularly scheduled Lawrence City Commission meeting following July 31st each year. So that would be, okay. that would be the first meeting in August. Right. And historically, the city manager and the city attorney have assisted in, in uh, generating that. Right. And that gives us a chance to review it in July then, right? Right. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. I'm thinking of another report. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, let's, let's bring our calendars and look very seriously. Sanjay, seriously, in working on this ordinance, we may not have an opportunity for training until August. Does that sound reasonable? Uh, but uh, but we're committed to it. Whatever the board decides, I am, uh-huh. I'm with it. I'm one member. <laughs> okay. But Captain McKinley has his, had his hand up. So okay, I'm sorry. Yes, Captain McKinley. I, I won't belabor this point, but just, just for some background, uh, that date of July 31st is based on 
that when that bias-based policing report is due to the state. So the state, the attorney general's office, right? You're correct. And so that's why that date was put in there. Yeah. Uh, You may or may not want to consider aligning uh, an annual report with the city's annual reports and the timing in which the police department and the rest of the city produce those annual reports so that it's a calendar year. But that's just a suggestion. Um, Again, that date was in there because that was the way the state required the reporting of the bias-based policing report. It was due after June, it closes on June 30th each year, and it's required uh, to be reported out formally within one month's time after that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right, so um, at our next meeting, then we will, we'll look at our calendars and proceed forward with with our responsibilities and in continuing our work on the ordinance, um, awaiting uh, some documents and perhaps a report from CityGate and um, preparing the report and then thinking, and in the meantime, talking about, and I'd like to reserve a little time on the agenda just to talk about the topics that we wanna focus on with regard to training. So we we can work with the staff to get that planned well in advance. Does that sound good? Uh, uh, Board member Gibson and Taylor. Uh Board member Jane Gibson, I agree, it sounds good. I would just like for us to keep on our, uh, our radar here that uh, the goal is to take this ordinance as it's revised and cleaned up to the city commission. So I don't know know, what to expect in this city gate report, um, how it will impact the decisions that we make to revise the ordinance further. Um, It might have a significant impact and we might be doing a lot more work on it or it might not be very much and we might be able to get it there. So I would just like us not to forget that that's that's where we're headed here is to try to get us an ordinance that makes our work meaningful and helpful to this community. Absolutely, and it's it's foundational work and sustain for sus- sustainability for sure. Uh, Board Member Taylor, Board Member Marie Taylor, I was just going to add in on the the training. Um, if uh, Captain McKinley would also be providing some suggestions and uh, of ways that would work well for the department to offer those trainings, like if they've got something that would work be very uh, an efficient way to to do that and suggested uh, topics that f- align with the the training that uh, that they may already be having mine or planned for their um, office. Very good, thank you. Concur. All right. Um, anything else? Uh, Board Member Gibson. Board Member Jane Gibson. I move we adjourn. Okay, is there a second? I, I see Steph. Uh-huh. We're still a little tonight. I just wanted to make one point real quick. I kind of was waiting to come back to the um, minutes from our last board ma- meeting. Uh-huh. You know how we all provided feedback about the LPD's website. Has anybody had an opportunity to go back in and look at it lately to see the updates? Mm-mm. Okay, so they made some really nice updates. Um, okay. For, per our recommendations. Um, so anyway, if you get a chance, I just say go out and look at it. Absolutely. Yeah, they've added a number of things. I think the flow chart suggestion is still outstanding. And of course, development educational brochure is probably part with us as well. But they did do some things that looks really good. 
So I just wanted to let everybody know. So thank you to the police department. Very good. So acknowledged. Very much. Thank you. Uh huh. Looks good. Very good. Uh, we've got a motion on the floor. Do we need a second? Um, board member Taylor. Uh, board member Marie Taylor, we do have a member of the public. So it, do we need to call for public comment on this item? Or did that did that individual sign up for it? I just want to make sure before we adjourn, we we're not missing any public comment requests. I, um, uh, do we open it up for final public comments. Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire, I think uh, Board Member Taylor is referring to the uh, second regular agenda item. Uh, it, it was not opened up for public public oh. comment after the board's discussion. Okay. 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 Who's <laughs> the second, Sanjay? <laughs> Sanjay, you second it? Yes. Okay, all those in favor, yay. All those opposed, nay. Uh, board Member Littleton. Uh, board Member Littleton, yay. Gibson. Board Member Gibson, yay. Taylor. Board Member Murray Taylor, yay. Uh, board Member Mishra. Board Member Mishra, yes. Very good. Uh, Salvini, yes. And we are unanimously adjourned. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you very much. everyone. Thank you so Bye. much for all your work again. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Thanks.